Hey, I'm John Frizzell. I'm here to talk about film music and my music and um, hopefully let you into the creative process a little bit. So let's get rolling. John, thank you so much for inviting me to your beautiful home and studio. And, Thanks. And uh, it's such an honor to talk to you. You know, such a huge fan of well, yours. <laughs> I really appreciate you coming out. So thank you. So just to, to kind of start it off, you know, maybe going back to the beginning, what, what, what kind of got you started on this path, this musical path, and what led you to become... I mean, a TV, film, you know, visual composer. Well, I mean, I think early on, I I, um, I had some chance to sing opera as a kid. Oh so wow! I, I sang in uh, the National Cathedral Choir, and then I got some summer gigs. And so I think it was maybe uh, there was something to me about you know getting out in front of a big audience and hearing big music. I got to sing under Sir George Schulte when I was eleven. And wow! I was kind of aware <laughs> that I was you know around greatest conductor of his time yeah and and it was just really inspired me and then and then I kind of lost and then my voice cracked lost music pr pretty much completely got into rock and roll got into jazz and then um and then I got into after music school I started scoring commercials um basically a jingle house but I kind of got the somehow I just kind of fell into the vibe of writing scores for commercials they went when they wanted to sound more cinematic uh-huh it just seemed like a natural place for me to go right and then um and then I ended up getting this weird sort of break that I got to work with Ryuichi Sakamoto on on uh, right. on the miniseries called Wild Palms that mm -hmm. Oliver Stone made, and that's when I was hooked. And did you grow up like watching film? Were you kind of more into classical composers? Were you kind of admiring other film composers while you were growing up, or did it? Was that I world really, I really, really hadn't really thought about film music too much in great detail until. Um, when I worked with Ryuichi, right. I had been so into jazz, I had been so into rock, I had been right. so into popular music. But then I really was, I, you know, in high school it was all Django Reinhardt, Charlie Parker, Charlie right. Christian. You know, I was a real jazz snob for years, right. <laughs> and um, and so so it was so I was really that was really my world very much. And then and then it just completely flipped, and I got very excited about scores. And you, and early in your career, you did kind of work as an orchestrator, and uh, kind of before you started composing. I mean, I know a lot of composers kind of really went that path. Does that give you kind of a good handle of working with other composers? Yeah, I, really, I mean, I never really classically worked as an orchestrator right. on paper, uh -huh. you know. And I'm 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 good there, but I'm not like yeah. really like the great guys that are amazing. That right, I, right. I handle myself, but I but but there's certainly people that you know, trounce me in that department. So, um, but yes, I think that working, I worked um, with James Newton Howard and I worked, right. did some work for James for, for some years and that was incredible training, which yeah. was probably the single, probably the most important part of me learning how to, to work to picture. Right. So, and when you started kind of getting, I guess, you know, starting writing your own music and stuff, do you kind of come out of the gate going like, I need to find my sound, I need to find my identity? Is that something that a, a composer goes through trying to find like, who, what am I bringing to this profession? Or do you just kind of go, I'm gonna just tackle the material and do what it needs? Or do you, are you kind of... Yeah, I mean, I think I, think I was just, I, I really wanted to try to find things that I identified with in my, in right. my sound. Yeah. But, but again, it was like the projects early on for me were so diverse. Yeah. That that was, so so how do I find me between Alien Resurrection and Beavis and Butthead? I, do, I don't know. Yeah. I don't have an answer there. You know, um, and so I was I was fortunate to be you know working on such diversity, but right. um, but but I think for me it was really just about how do you how do you really 
effectively score. And that was the most single most important thing is to be someone who could could move around between different types of films right. and and handle themselves in different situations. That was the most important thing to right. me. So you, uh, we're talking about just uh, your, you know the versatile projects that you were doing early on, and one of you know your first big films was *Beavis and Butthead with yeah. Mike Judge. Yeah. And I mean, I remember I was that was like the, the movie that my parents would not want me to see. And, you know, you'd, we'd always sneak up and watch MTV *Beavis and Butthead late at night. But when you when, in today, you know, adult comedy animation is rampant with South Park, and just *Sausage Party* just came out. When that came out, I mean, it's it's such a physical, visual kind of comedic thing about those two characters what was the role of music in, in in that film and how did you approach scoring such a you know a, well um an animation that appealed to the adult audiences <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean i think what was, what was interesting was how i got the gig um i i edited together back in there was these things that had tape in them it was called they were <laughs> cassette yeah it was called a cassette, cassette. <laughs> they're probably in museums now right and um and i edited the boys discussing my music and they were not complimentary uh-huh. um, and so they were literally just ripping me apart and just every piece of music they you know this is crap you know right. and um if my anyway there's my my butthead for you um <laughs> and i think mike mike judge thought it was funny mike's a really close friend to this day yeah and mike it cracked mike up and he wanted to meet me and then we got along and then i i proposed the idea that uh that for the film that, that we use a, a very grandiose approach and that we mm-hmm. treat the story very seriously mm-hmm. and that we completely go against what the show did mm-hmm. in terms of how it treated any score at all, that we just really right. score this like a big movie, like right. a big spy movie. <laughs> and um, I guess it worked. It does. I mean, you know, I everyone think likes the film today, so... It's a classic, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how we did it. So, I, so then at that point... Um, I actually put in a call. I was friends with Elmer Bernstein at the time, and I and I and I and I got the job. And I called up Elmer, and I and I said, Elmer, I've got this comedy I'm doing, and he liked Beavis and Butthead too. Really? Wow, and, that's great. Um, well, Elmer was a funny dude guy, you know. And, and so I went and had lunch with him, and he was. I we were talking about airplane. Yeah. And yeah. And Elmer said to me, I said, well, so how do you really approach this? And he said. He said, "Well, the the way you the way, his method of the way he scored airplane was to almost create this persona in yourself that you're this very sort of overzealous composer who doesn't have very good taste, doesn't really get the humor, and you kind of want to show off more than anything. You just want to show everyone how good you are all the time in every cue. Yeah, and so you're kind of overdoing it all the time. <laughs> and that was sort of the idea. That was the idea that Elmer." put on to me wow. on how to approach the score to Beavis, which was what Elmer said was his approach to airplane. Right. And so I just simply used that idea. I just sort of said, okay, I'm, every cue I write, I'm just going to just desperately try to prove myself to the audience is this, you know, not get the humor and just stay away from it and, um, and, and, you know, do that. Right. So that was, that was the idea. And, and you, and you got to work with Mike again for Office Space. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and King of the Hill. And King of the Hill. And I mean, so you got to really, really know him and his humor and his style and everything is, is, is working when you work with the director like Mike and, and writer and who's, and you really kind of get into him. Um, is there a difference between how he approaches live action and how he wants to utilize you as a composer versus he does in his animation? Or is it pretty much just like, I mean, well, okay, so Office Space was kind of a different different scenario yeah. altogether because the thing that, that I think was challenging in Office Space is that 
there was no scene in the film that ever really needed score. Right. And you would watch each scene, you're like, okay, that's fine, that doesn't need score. Okay, that's fine. Maybe Peter's hypnosis needed score. Okay, but, but it felt like each scene really didn't need score, but the film needed score. Yeah. It was a perplexing issue. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so okay, so, so do you really have to kind of go in and put score in a scene when the scene is okay without it, but right. the film needs it overall? And so it was a very challenging film to spot yeah, and to get the score yeah. into. I mean, I think that the, the um, key idea that really came along was the um, sort of Hawaiian, mm-hmm. I don't care much about anything yeah. motif on Peter. Right. Um, you know, that, that, that sort of, that this, my friend Gabe Rutman did the singing on that. And, mm-hmm. um, I, that was kind of, a, I think, a key concept to that score that maybe drives it. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... Because I, I, I feel like his comedy, like I, I watched Silicon Valley too, and it's it's it, it does it's the co- characters really take up much of that space, and then it's, absolutely, and it's very difficult for a composer. I think comedy in general is comedy is the hardest, the I hardest think. thing to do. Yeah, and you've done some some great comedies. I haven't done much. I mean, lately, I really want to do more now. Yeah, I, I really kind of want to do it. I feel funny again. <laughs> I know it doesn't look like on my face, but I feel very funny <laughs> right now. Um, no, I have a lot of friends that are you know. Uh, uh, comedian friends and, and, and I think it's a good time in my life that I kind of go back into that yeah maybe you know, <laughs> there were always not being so dark and brooding right <laughs> yeah you know yeah one of my other favorite films growing up was Dante's Peak mm-hmm. and that's you know the, the, that epitome of disaster films in mm-hmm. the 90s and everything uh, when you're it, it's funny because disaster films these days I feel like the music doesn't really go for it as much I feel like it, it kind of scales back um what was your approach for, for scoring, you know, a movie about such a, you know... Well, I mean, I, I think that my approach really was to take the amazing theme that James brought right. in, and James and Howard brought in, and then, and then, and then really maximizing its use in the film, mm-hmm. um, that James wrote a really powerful epic theme, which, which probably is what you identified with more than what I did. In the in the film, well, both. I mean, both. I mean, okay. Well, I mean, but seriously, I mean, but I think without without that, I don't think you without what James wrote. You know, I think that's really the heart and soul of it. Um, uh, But but I think in general, if I can kind of take what you said, is that I mean, scores. There's a there's sort of a tone. I mean, the language of scoring is on a slow evolutionary path. It's always changing, as is the tone Mm -hmm. of acting, as is the way the way you act and I think right. we're, in a, we're in a very sort of muted yeah. era right now which mm-hmm. is kind of beautiful in its subtlety and it has right. really great opportunities but it's just a different sensibility that we're in now right um, it's, it's, it's you know things are lower pitched they're more dispersed they're is it an orchestra or is it not an orchestra yeah, right? yeah everything's yeah. sort of very vague and, and interesting and subtle Right. Um, it's not so bombastic and out there. And, I know, which is what I grew up with. And yeah, like, I know, yeah. and it's fun, but it doesn't sound right right now. It's not. It's not. It's not because where it's we are. The tone of the films that are making me. It's just yeah. not that. It's just you know. There's a. There's a. Um, we have a language. There's like a language which becomes the language mm-hmm. of of film music, and like any other type of language, like the way cinematographers shoot. There's a language, right. absolutely, and that language evolves. And we're just in. The, we're we're just where we are now. Right. And we'll get someplace different. Yeah. <laughs> I guarantee that. You know, and I don't know what it'll be, and I know that for sure too. Right. Um. But 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 it'll all change. It always does. 
Uh, uh, going back to, because you mentioned James wrote the theme for that, and you work with James. Um, how does that approach, I mean, how does that happen on a film? I've seen, and you see it these days, you know, Hans Zimmer will write a theme and then someone else will write a story. Yeah. Is it just a, a way to, was it just for his namesake or was it just to... Um... Oh, James was help, was helping me get, oh, okay. get the job and, and James okay. was very overloaded with work at the time right. and was very gracious in, 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 in helping me get going and he wasn't able, his schedule didn't allow him to do it, but Roger Donaldson was amazing to work with and he was very comfortable having that contribution we had yeah. a very short schedule and then I came in and, and took care of you know and the knocked out of park when he did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I ended up I wrote a lot of music but James wrote the big you know the stuff you remember so right uh, and yeah we'll, we'll keep trucking along another one of my favorite scores of yours is of course Alien Resurrection um, and uh, it's one of the most iconic film franchises of all time and has some of the most iconic scores from you know uh, Jerry and, and James Horner and Ellie Goldenthal. Uh, when you approach it, a film like that and the fourth film in the franchise, what's the approach there? Is it trying to do something new, trying to do something of that world? What was your kind of mentality going on onto that? Well, certainly there's, a, there's, there's, with a lot of diversity in those three previous scores, mm-hmm. there's still a sort of a world, right? Yeah. And But I think most importantly was was working closely with Jean-Pierre Genet yeah. to really create what he was looking for. He wanted uh, um, a deeper sense of this sort of strange, mysterious, slightly eroticism. That is... It was a very kind of seductive, yeah. very... Seductive, probably the key word. Yeah, I remember the, yeah, the score itself. Like I mean, a grotesque seduction. Yeah, that, I mean the finale, the ending, is yeah. it's, it's, it's what sticks out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like, it's it's sexual, it's bizarre, it's disgusting, it's it's... It's both haunting and erotic at the same time. It's yeah. got a lot of different things going on, which is some strange turf to be in. <laughs> as an as a storyteller, how do you get into that mindset? Like as a, as a musical storyteller, do you look at the just is the, is the visuals what speak to you the most? Is it the characters? I mean, in, not just Alien, but I guess in any film, what's really something that speaks to you as a storyteller that kind of gets? Well, the I, there's different there's different scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, being with an intensely visual director like Jean-Pierre, right. I mean, I think you're largely driven by the composition of picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a huge influence. I mean, I might look at like another film, like um, James Dean I did with, but James Franco got the Golden Globe for playing James Dean, right, yeah. which is really character-driven, right. really script-driven, and the subtlety of Franco's performance in that well, there's beautiful cinematography and it's beautifully shot, but it's not, it's not like that. It's not a stylistic kind of. The style doesn't overtake, I guess. You know. Right. The, yeah. the 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 sense of the time and the place is more part of the composition. Right. It's not. It's not emphasizing style on that level. Right. Right. On that in that way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, exactly. I think that, it, that I think it's important to adjust all the time to sort of well, what are you what what's being scored here. And for Alien, was there ever uh, the, the? I mean, I know with Prometheus, they you know, they kind of touch back on Jerry's theme. Was it ever like, oh, we should touch back on what came before? Well, we actually recorded a couple cues. Again. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, if you watch it carefully, and, and there's, I think there's three cues that we actually dug up the scores okay. and re-recorded them. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they're absolutely there. Yeah, note for note, Jerry. And uh, kind of touching back on comedy again, you you did score one of my favorite comedies was Mafia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which I love. Uh, uh, That's a funny movie. It is. Man, it is like one of the, the classic. I mean, yeah. it's up there with Airplane and like Naked Gun. Yeah, it's just, like, it's just, you know. <laughs> and you got to really 
play I on like the genres. The kids from the, he's from the town. His town is from Salmonella. Salmonella. Yeah. <laughs> and then they credit you with a... Gianni Frizzetti. Gianni Frizzetti. <laughs> Yeah. So when you get to score a spoof like that, which they don't get, they don't go made anymore. You really got to play on the, the genres that they were spoofing. Right? Everything. So did you re- did you go back and rewatch Godfather? Oh, I'd seen you... everything a million times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, you know everything. Yeah. So was it? But you're not making fun of the music. You're how? How does the music supposed? To, I mean, it's, I mean, it's really, different. what you're parodying is the style of filmmaking, right? You're, right. You're you're, yeah. you're you're pointing towards something great and legendary, and you're 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 poking fun at its yeah. great and legendariness in a way that because you know it and love it right. that you're making fun of it. I mean, it's it's parody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of the favorites. Yeah, it was fun. That was a lot of fun, that film. <laughs> Jim Abrams was... was oh, God, Jim is the best. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, you, you also, uh, you work in television as well. And you, yeah. you did a, you know, a great, uh, another great score for the show United States of Tar. You worked a little bit on that one. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. not a whole lot, but the, yeah, I do, yeah. And, yeah uh, not a lot of score in it. Yeah, and then to go King of the Hill as well. And yeah. um, when you're writing for TV scores or television in general, um, do you like to tap? I mean, do you like to approach it as like I guess King of the Hill would be different because it was you know, animation and it's one of those 21, 22 episodes per season. But like, do you tackle it just kind of one episode at a time? Do you? Yeah. If it's an arc kind of show, do you kind of try to find an arc in the first season? Well, I didn't do every King of the Hill. Right. So I would probably do like something. every third or fourth or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. But early on, there was actually quite a bit. We always had a live orchestra on the show, mm-hmm. and there was quite a bit, uh, a fair amount of music that was pretty big at times. I mean, I remember the episode called "Propane Boom," mm-hmm. and um, you know, or 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 the propane blows up in there. <laughs> I think there was a problem with the what was it? The name of the store, and um, uh, so there, there was a pretty big score actually in, that, in yeah. that show yeah a lot of fun but then it would go back and forth with some with some twangy guitars and this and that to sort of put you back in. did you write the, the theme yes, I did not oh no, no. The, 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 the replacements I forget who wrote it but oh, okay. yeah a great theme yeah great theme. but it kind of captured that southern kind of uh, yeah mentality. <laughs> yeah really cool cool sound um Another another film again. If we're just kind of going through, I, I want to talk about all your your work is Gods and Generals, which is uh, it's a huge, massive, epic film. Um, how, it was. I mean, what was the final running time of that film? Like it was like well, I think it was hours. over. I think it was close to five. Yeah. What? When did you get presented with the first cut? Because I know you, Randy Andelman also. Didn't he work with you a little bit on that? Yeah, so Randy wrote. Um, there's I, I, there's some music that Randy wrote in the film. Right. Um, but I wrote the vast majority of the of the, of the score. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you? Was it spotted? I mean, do you come in and spot a five hour film? What was the first yeah. cut that you looked at? Was it like I think old? it was like five or six hours to cut. Jesus Christ! Like, yeah. Was that? Did you? Were you like? It's just like staring at like this <laughs> giant abyss that you have no idea how you're ever going to get to the other side of it, and you just write one cue at a time to get there. You know. Is it hard to envision the big picture when you're working on something like that? Well, yeah. I mean, I think I would go through, and I, I'm I'm very careful with going notes, and so I don't work. I mean, I say I went through one cue at a time, but I don't work that way at all. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm very structural mm-hmm. in that. Um, uh, I think on Gods and Generals, I sat down for probably two weeks and just wrote themes without the probably watched the film a couple th- times, and then I sat down for two weeks and just started writing all the themes. Mm-hmm. So I had sort of I had like seven or eight major themes in the film, um, and then 
And then I made nice piano sketches of it all. Mm-hmm. And then I started just going around the film with my music editor, uh, with Lisa Jaime. And we went and we just sort of, you know, we just found like, so these are the, these are the places that we think the major themes are going to go. And this is how this one's going to play out. And this one's going to play out four or five times here. This one plays out three or four times here. And then you kind of get uh, a very rough roadmap. I mean, because you can't really treat it like a three-act structured film. Was there, was there kind of that arc? You can't, no. Like, I mean, the... no. What, when you were working uh, were you getting direction of where they wanted music or were they just kind yeah, of it was like, temp so there was temp okay so they kind of had a yeah, so basic had some, roadmap some, some shape of it but I think that we rapidly moved away I think the temp didn't stick around long we were pretty quick we were into my piano sketches being in there because I kind of just went off on a different tangent yeah. wow. you know <laughs> and then um, and then uh, yeah and then I started fully mocking everything up with the synths and, mm-hmm. and getting it all come into place. And I think I wrote it over about three months, just very intense. Wow, how many, do you know, do you, do you recall how much music was in the film? Was it a lot of music? I it was a lot of music. Look at it this way, when we went to record uh-huh. and I had my scores, I had to have two people just help me bring in the boxes of scores. <laughs> I mean, I think there was three huge boxes. I mean, wow. I, I, I'm thinking we recorded three hours, three hours plus of score. That's insane yeah that's like a miniseries level. yeah I mean he recorded I think 12 days with the orchestra wow yeah recording very quickly for 12 days that's uh, you, you do you have made a really great um, uh, mark in the horror and thriller genre I mean your scores have really kind of defined that genre as of lately too you've been Thanks. doing a lot of that and really doing some great work uh, you have an, a, a, a new film coming Leatherface you're working yeah. on Leatherface you're coming yeah. back into the Texas Chainsaw world and you did Texas Chainsaw 3D um these days, I'm, I'm there's horror as a genre. I think it's actually quite. I'm not a huge horror fan, like as it was kind of in the slasher days. But like these days, the horror films, I'm really more interested. They're interesting because I see these kind of like conjuring type movies, and then you have the kind of like the terror, hard terror like scores, like something like Texas Chainsaw. But like, is do you find that there's a different way to score something that is like aggressively horror versus more? thrilling suspense horror is that something yeah, that you that's see a good question i mean i don't really think of it that way okay i mean i basically try to scare myself like whatever whatever i'm doing you know and mm-hmm. um just a little bit about leatherface is it's going to have it's going to have a very sort of rural aspect to it which mm-hmm. i haven't ever really i've never done that in a horror score and i can't think of a lot of horror scores that have what do you what do you mean by rural well it has aspect? a very texan sound okay so just it's, kind of that what, what what was the approach you took for Texas Chainsaw 3D? Was it? Um, it was. I mean, it was more orchestral. It was uh-huh. more. It, it didn't have a sort of you know um, uh, sort of a sense that you were the music didn't sound like Texas. Right. This sounds like Texas. I, I think it helps because you kind of put yourself in the setting and the music is not. Just trying uh, to, it's an, it's yeah. a great way. I'm, I'm thrilled. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. It's really fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that I think that again, it's like I don't try to start with a rule that this is this type of film or this is that type of film mm-hmm. but okay so that you have one overriding rule which is just get fear you're just you just people want to go and you want to get that that visceral sense of fear from these films and right. this I look I I'm thrilled that humans like that yeah I, I don't really know why I poked around with theories as to why humans like to sit around at night and scare themselves um, I think because it's funny because my my wife she Loves to get scared. Yeah. And uh, horror movies don't. I mean, I, I enjoy. I enjoy the Conjuring. I enjoy my, my favorite horror movie is The Thing. Uh, of, oh yeah. Or The Shining, stuff like that. But Morricone. Yeah, she loves to get jolted, and but she's terrified of them. But I, I, it is interesting to me 
why people do enjoy that, like Halloween Horror Nights, people going to get there, you know, scared, just yeah, you know, shit to out. <laughs> but I think it's because we don't, we live in such a comfortable world where that that part of our instinct is not really, you know, we're not scared for our lives like you know, like animals are living in the world. Maybe it's a maybe a craving to, to feel that. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe every once in a while you realize the oddness of being a thinking piece of meat on a rock, hurling yeah. about a giant gas ball in the middle of nowhere in outer space, and you actually realize that life itself is really scary because it's so right. ambiguous. I don't know. Just a thought. But um, anyway, people like to get scared, and that's yes. good. That's good. Um, and so I'm going to do my best to scare them. And so if I scare me, it usually scares them pretty good. So when you're, so if we're listening to a score that you wrote for a horror film, that, that music is what scared me. Scared you. Yeah, I just tried to scare me. So do you scare yourself with the, do you just listen back to it and try to get I try to, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm writing <laughs> early in the morning or late at night and I'm like, this is creepy, man. <laughs> you know, yeah, if I scare me, it's usually going to work. That's I awesome. mean, I've never, I've, it's usually been the benchmark. It's like when I scare me, it works. Right. <laughs> and that was just, you know, I, I did, one of the things I've done recently that I love doing so much was the following. Yeah, that was a great show. Yeah, yeah. and that was very much about that. That was mm-hmm. just about creeping myself out. Yeah, that, and that, that was, yeah, I think that was more, I mean, it was, Kevin Bacon's character was fantastic, and it was just more of a sustaining kind of suspense thriller than... It would get pretty, pretty, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I got... Yeah, we'd get pretty dark there. <laughs> Kevin Williamson's amazing in the stuff he would come up with. Right. <laughs> um, when you were... In, I mean, you've done such a variety of things over your career, but do you ever worry about getting uh, typecast into certain things? No, I am, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, I worry about it. <laughs> but um, I've talked about the composer about it, and it, I mean, it is a thing. I think composers, when you do something very well... They come yeah. back to you and go, yeah. man, you did that great. Do it again. Yeah. Is that, I mean, how do you fight that? I mean, you know, look, I'm, the scaring thing is, is, is something that I, I just have a knack for. And, mm-hmm. and, and it, look, I love comedy mm-hmm. and I love doing it. And like you're saying, it's very challenging. Yeah. But I like to do it now and then, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but if I had to pick one over the other, right. um, I like the thriller and intense world. I like bigger, more complex Things. I mean, but I, but I, but, but it's nice. To, again, it's really nice to shift. Yeah. You know. Um, but there's something about the challenge of stringing together, you know, a 40-minute area in a film where the cues have to bob and weave, they have to come up and down, you have to right. listen back, and over 40 minutes you have to create the pace, and there's no break, and I, that's the kind of challenge I really do enjoy. Right. So are you are you someone that's really in love with? The problem-solving aspect of, of the job, yeah. yeah because I know yes. there's, there's some people who like really live in that process, and there's some people. I was talking to John Powell, and he's like, some, he's like, he likes to, to see the, the finished product. Like that's like his like uh, the the climax of everything. It's like ah, oh, the finished product is done. Whereas some people are just want to just live in that world of of piecing it together forever. I don't know if that um, makes sense or. <laughs> well, look, I, I don't. I mean, there's the, there's the piecing it together part, and it gets very technical. Yeah, and it gets you know, and you kind of there's kind of two parts of this. It's like there's the there's the sort of the visceral creative composition. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, wow, they just took out this scene. Now this cue has to go to this cue and those cues don't go. I can't transition. Yeah. What do I do now? <laughs> when they recut something. Now yeah. I got to find some common tone to get me from here to here. And I have 20 minutes. Right. You know, so there's that whole world, which is kind of fun. It's like a, never, it's like a chess game. Yeah. 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 Scoring is very much like that. It's a lot of problem solving. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I like that part too. But my favorite part is just getting lost in in composition. Right. Just the writing process. (laughs) 
So we, we just, just t talked about horror and you kind of being in that genre and everything. And you did do a string of um, pretty great... I mean, I, I still show... Uh, my, I showed my wife recently 13 Ghosts and did 13 Ghosts and Ghost Ship and, and those kind of um, movies. I feel like those were definitely part of a, a, a time. That, yeah. You know, that they, they feel part of that like time capsule of horror movies that are completely different than they are today. Oh, do you, have you seen, I mean, we were just talking about how things shift and change and evolve. How has that genre evolved? How have you seen it evolve? Because you've been kind of pretty... Kind of yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's, uh, there was a, 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 I've done a lot of work with Joel Silver over right. the years, and I love working with Joel. Joel's about my favorite person to work with in the world. And um, we have an, a, a lot of fun. It's very intense and creative and lets me really explore and, um, uh, and, and it's a great time. So, yeah, starting with 13 Ghosts and Ghost Ship, I did another one, Cradle to the Grave, right. which was, it's not a no, you know, action. Like thriller, action film. And then, but working um, with Joel, you just, I mean, talk about your relationship. How is that? How's a producer relationship with a composer different than, say, a director relationship? It's very much the same. So it's it's the a same. creative relationship. Okay. It's like when I, you know, and, and many times working with Joel, um, we we've done it. We've worked together so many times that we have a shorthand. Right. You know, and I can tell if Joel doesn't like a cue and it's gone, and <laughs> and, and and then I can tell when we've really when we're honing in on what's going to work. You know, and, and it really helps me the mm -hmm. feedback. And I think what I love about when I've worked with someone, I mean, the people that I've worked with a lot, like Kevin Williamson and Joel yeah. and Mike Judge, is it almost comes down to body language at a certain point. Right. It's like you you get to know who you're working with, and and I, I mean I can tell from the first thing they say, uh, the tone of their voice, if they liked it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's I mean. Uh, it's almost like a marriage. I mean, you get to you, yeah. you know them, you know their their beats and their ticks and everything. Do you feel more as you work with someone longer? Do you feel more comfortable to say uh, argue or argue back? So yeah. Well, I mean, also another person is um, you know is is working with the Screen Gems team with with right. Spring Aspers and, and Clint Culpepper is um, sometimes. I mean, and, and with all these people I work with is well, we might be really struggling to get to something. They want me to go one way. I get it right, mm -hmm. and but I still feel like there's one more thing to explore. So I might just go right. I go now. You have what you want. Now let me just play you this. Okay. And sometimes they go, well, I don't want that. I go right. fine. But sometimes they go, ooh, that's kind of a cool idea. Yeah. Do you ever get hurt when they go? No. I get that. I don't get. I don't get hurt. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's. A, I don't think that you. I don't think that's what this is about. It's about, you know. Um, Believe me, if I had, if I got hurt, I wouldn't be doing this anymore because I've had <laughs> no, so many, you have so many cues thrown out. I mean, it's not personal. The There's nothing yeah. in it at all. Yeah. And so it's really, it's, it's, it's about being part of a creative team. It's about having, you know, un trying to understand and fit in and understand that it's not about the cue. It's about the film. You're mm -hmm. serving the film. You're always serving the picture. And there has to be a hierarchical system of who's going to be in charge of, of creating this vision. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, and there's going to be things you really love and agree with. And, I, and I'll put up a good, you know, I'll, I'll stand my ground on stuff yeah. and say, this is, I really think this. And then when it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I kind of did want to touch back on something recent you did, uh, which is when the bow breaks. Uh, yeah. Which is uh, another a, a kind of a seductive thriller, which is another genre that uh, I think lends itself to some pretty fun, fun music. Yeah, what, absolutely. Is that something? I mean, it's it's over dramatic, it's melodramatic. Do you get to have really kind of just like yeah, you just, stuff you like just that? go for it. You just yeah. go for it. I mean, the thing about that film is, is it it was a slow sort of descent from a happy world of having yeah, a baby to this like now. Well, that went a little wrong. It's <laughs> not that bad though. Well, now that went a little wrong. That's a little worse. <laughs> Oh, this is definitely wrong now. Okay, now it's completely gone to... And so you, you have to edge down 
you know, right. into into psychoness. Where if you think of I don't know some horror movies that just begin with carnage, right? And so if you start, you know, then 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 you're saying, okay, well, this is the world we're in. We're in this world of right. crazy carnage, rather than this slow psychological descent into something. So when you up. when you, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to suggest that you have like a kind of a cookie cutter thing ready to go, but when you when you get a film like that and you go, okay, I know how this works. You kind of have like a, a template or a, a, a set of instruments that you use for certain emotions. You go like, oh, I know I, I like to use these instruments for sadness. I like to use these instruments for, for horror. I like to use well, yeah. I mean, I think, I think every film's going to kind of have its own palette. Right, exactly. You know, and, and you have to let that sort of find its film. But then also, I think there's periods of time in my life where I'm sort of more inclined to go with, with this instrument or that mm-hmm. instrument. Um, I mean, the, in the following... For instance, I, I use I have a guitar viol, which is it's in between a guitar and a cello. It's like mm-hmm. a guitar that you play with a bow, and um, it has a very unlike a cello. It's got a very because it's got frets. There's something about the the way that the sound comes out bowed but very cold, mm-hmm. and so it's this strange. It's almost like a cadaver, like a wow. musical cadavery sound, but it's. You can tell it was a, it has life, but it's kind of gone. Yeah. Okay. So I think that that these types of this is these are the intricacies of the palette mm-hmm. that, that that stick around. I don't know how long that'll stick around in my palette, but it's still very active. Right. In my palette now, and maybe I find different ways to use it and play it. And things right. Like that. So looking at where you are now in your career and kind of remembering where you came from and where you started, that's one of those I guess generic questions. But what any advice you'd give to your younger self that you wish you knew back then that you know now? Just learning the business and everything that you've learned so far. And yeah, I, I mean, uh, no big, no, I don't, I'm not a big, you know, look back person. Uh, no, I, I'm very happy with things. So I think the most exciting real thing today is, the, is what's happened with the world of television. The greatest work is being done on TV, I think. I mean, it's yeah. just, and, and it's just an exciting, incredibly exciting world. I'm working on a series called Conviction right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's a very exciting, the pace is so much fun. Because you're just you're just turning stuff in constantly. You're just going. It's not a lot of overthinking and 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 I've had films where I'm writing a cue and I'll write version three and four and five and six and seven and eight and nine and now nine sounds like one, you know. And <laughs> yeah. I write it. I just get in a big circle. Wow. You know. Um, and the pace in television is just you can't do that. It's it's constant oh, yeah. movement. It's but also the, the the now we have a medium. Where these characters and storylines are really long, you know, they're they're big, these stretched out things. It's almost challenging to watch a movie now when you really get into how effective television. I can know, be. yeah, that's that's like watching like, House of Generals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everything's just yeah. Um, if you had to say, what's the hard the hardest part of your job? If you're, if what is the hardest part of your job that you no matter just maybe it's just part of the process, not maybe not a, a creative thing, but is there a technical part or even a creative part that you find very okay? Difficult? I'm gonna rant for a minute. Yeah, this we're in a dearth of software mm-hmm. um, innovation. We've been in a, it's just dead. Um, you know the the world of uh, there used to be a, a giant progression going on in technology, right. and now we just live in in a cascading world of. Where, where people are just inventing uh, narcissistic algorithms that, that feed people through this, this world of, of, of social media yeah. and that that's considered technology. And mm-hmm. we used to actually really be on a, on a path that we were really, we were actually making computers do our work for us. Right. And, and it's been completely forgotten. 
um, that, that there's this world of, of high-end professional software that can really um, change how humans work, mm-hmm. and it's just gone, and it stinks. So you just think it's the technology is being wasted? There's no money in it. In other words, everything's now in making you know the next phone have seventeen cameras or something. Right. You know what I mean? Or making it 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 a different shade of black, which yeah. sounds like part of Spinal Tap to me. Really? <laughs> okay. So um, yeah, it's um yeah. The, the I mean, real quickly, you used to have technology would swim downstream. It would start at a very high price, right. and then it would filter downstream. The iPhone changed that. The the yeah. the, the, the the technology moved to the Delta. Yeah. And so there's no upstream anymore. Right. There's no profitability in it. And it's a shame. It's lost. Um, I don't know if it'll come back, but it isn't serving what computers could do for people. Right. Absolutely. No, I, I agree with that, man. <laughs> um, but on the, on the other uh, uh, end of the spectrum, what's the, the easiest, most fun part of your job? Then? Writing music. Just write, yeah, just write yeah. You talk about it. Yeah, no, I mean, I love it. I just go in and sit down and I write. Right. You know, and when everything's working right and I go in and I say I'm going to write this in 45 minutes and maybe it takes me two and a half hours and I look at my ooh wow it's late now but I've done I like it you know I got to write something tonight yeah you know and um, yeah so that's that's. I mean I love to write music so right. as long as I'm writing music I'm pretty happy and just hypothetically if you could pick any other job on a film set that you could you would want to do is there anything that you a screenwriter a cinematographer a set designer probably cook food a caterer okay it's like a caterer like craft, craft services yeah are you, no, are you, I, I don't know. No, I don't. I don't know. I like to cook. Um, I, probably a DP. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If I if I, I think that's a very fascinating job. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's funny because for me, I don't know sound and, and image. That's where the marriage hap- happens. Like that's why I, it's funny because I didn't become a composer. Everyone's like, oh, you interview composers, and you're just, you love music and everything. But I I can't write music or anything. But it's what it's the marriage of image and sound. I think it's very they're very related in a way. There's yes. there's a music to vision to the visual Absolutely. language. Yeah. Absolutely. So. The color, the shapes, everything, it's all yeah. There's a, there's an interconnection of it. It's 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 you know um, Sort of philosophy fan. I, although I don't, although I don't understand him much at all, I'm going to kind of go to Wittgenstein for a uh-huh. minute. And there's just there's things that are true that cannot be said. Right. Okay. And so that's kind of where music and and and, and pictorially, that's where we go into. That's where we have to say things. Right. Um, we have to say true things that can't be said in words. Absolutely. Well, John, I want to thank you so much for your time today. It's been so enlightening getting to chat with you. Man, really great questions. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. I really had fun. Thank you so much. You got it.